Hey, 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 guys. Welcome to Building This Community. This is your city business and policy development podcast. We're your hosts, Luke Patrick and Andrew Klump. Welcome to this week's episode of Building This Community. Today, our guest is Bridget Morrissey. She is the co-founder of The Root, a co-working space. Bridget, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you all today? Not too bad. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely doing all right. So Bridget, we know that you are you are the co-founder of The Root. Can you kind of tell us a little bit, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and your background? Yes, so I am an Indiana native. Um, I was born in Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. Um, my parents were transplants. Um, I grew up in sports and um, community groups of all kinds, Um, went away to school. I went to Furman University, and that's in Greenville, South Carolina, and I got a studio art degree, and I majored in, um, well, I concentrated in graphic design. Um, Whenever I came home, um, I had every intention of moving away, but the way things worked out um, <laughs> couldn't have been better, in my opinion. Um, my family still lives here. I have two older siblings, and they have families, and um, I wanted to be around them, um, watch their kids grow up and be present in their lives. And I've been fortunate enough to start the route with Uh, the best business partner in the world, and that's my dad. So I've always been a creative. Um, I have always wanted to connect people um, and affect change on a daily basis, and The Root was my answer to that. So uh, talking about The Root, uh, we know it's a co-working space. Can you tell us maybe what that means and why it's important for the development of businesses and and startups in particular? Absolutely. So anybody that's not familiar with the co-working concept, it is shared workspace for entrepreneurs, startups, remote workers, anybody that can work from anywhere, even big corporations are starting to see the value, especially with these uh, new work at home um, orders and you know the residual effect. Um, but we provide that community space and the office amenities that um, people don't really want to pay for or can necessarily afford. So um, we have access to things like coffee, snacks, you hook up to our Wi-Fi, you can print. Um, We have conference rooms, we have event space available, Um, but the the most impact that that a co-working space can provide is um, the people, the people in it, um, in the community that you can build because of the diversity, um, not only in Um, industries, but in age and race and gender and uh, backgrounds of all kinds. Um, And and the ideas and the energy that comes from it is pretty invaluable. It seems like you're very passionate 
almost in, into kind of helping others get their business off the ground. I mean, that seems to be the primary focus of, of your business and creating like an inclusive uh, environment. But it also kind of seems like uh, the, the way you're describing this is it's almost as if the root, like co-working spaces in general are stepping stones to getting businesses off the ground. So it's, it's a step between an working out of a coffee shop, right. And working, having your own office in your own building. Uh, Absolutely. So, um, the benefit of the root specifically is that we try to reach, um, as many ways to work as possible. And that means accessibility from a, a pricing standpoint to down to the way that they can use the space. So we do provide things like day passes. Um, we have individual uh, memberships. We have group memberships. We have a virtual membership option just for people that maybe need the business address um, in an occasional way to co-work, but creating community is the primary goal for us. Um, we wanted from the beginning to um, break down any barriers to entry that entrepreneurs and small businesses face. Um, and if we couldn't directly provide that answer for somebody, we wanted to be able to direct them to somebody or a resource that could. So, so then what, I guess, what then are, are the needs of the startup community kind of in, in your eyes, since you are right on the ground floor with all of them? Right. It just seems like a lot of people need help getting started, period. Like you just said, um, that's why we named it The Root is because we wanted businesses to know that this is a place where they can start, where they can engage with their community, in their community, give back to their community, and you know, receive and then grow in their community. And so that's really what I see as the primary need is that um, businesses and business owners need to know that there's help for them and that there is community because with remote working and the demographic that that we try to hit it's a lot of creatives it's artists it's single business owners it's entrepreneurs and that can be a very seemingly isolating community it is a digital community and for us to be able to provide four walls for people like-minded people to come together and find each other. That is, is what I see is the biggest need. And so it's, so it's creating a support system, right? So that people have people they can lean on or bounce ideas off of so they can kind of come back from the fringe of their business or kind of grow in, in by using different perspectives they might not have if they're going at it on their own. Absolutely. Um, getting different perspectives from people who have experience in totally different areas is the best way to grow your business because you don't know what you don't know. And we all have weaknesses and to be able to lean on each other is in my opinion, what we as humans depend on and we, and we need to depend on. We are built to be companions for each other. 
Well, uh, so Bridget, you mentioned earlier breaking down barriers, kind of in line with that. Uh, what has the experience been like being a, a female entrepreneur in this industry, uh, which you know historically uh, it's mostly dominated by males? Have you have you had any any problems or maybe any any advantages? Honestly, uh, I don't know if it's. Uh, because I'm, I'm naive to it or um, I'm, I'm not aware of it, but I don't feel like there has been a disadvantage of any sort um, being a female. Uh, I think that entrepreneurism encourages trailblazing, so to speak. So I think for females to start to, to pop up and arise in entrepreneurship is is just in, in line with what entrepreneurship means. As far as advantage, I guess there is an advantage in there being a minority of females, but not, not necessarily. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, so to, to change gears a little bit, your business is currently located in Southern Indiana, which I mean, New Albany specifically, right? Um, but it's a separate town that's kind of developed alongside of Louisville and which is a re- recurring trend throughout the country. You're seeing, you know, Covington outside of Cincinnati, uh, you're seeing Carmel outside of Indianapolis. What's it like? Is there a reason you developed your, your business outside of Louisville, which is a major economic hub hub. And, uh, are there any advantages that you've noticed from starting in a smaller city? Well, going to Furman University, that was a liberal arts school and it was small. And so I think I've always preferred trying to be a big fish in a small pond. I think there are advantages of starting small and you can always grow bigger. But of course, the primary reason that I wanted to start in New Albany is because we knew there was momentum. We knew the potential and we wanted to give back to the community that has given us so much. I grew up here and I wanted to be able to contribute to the people in the community that has fed into my life. I think that that bigger cities, co-working is definitely catching on. And I do think that the workforce is trending in that direction. Um, So I do think that some cities are more saturated with co-working spaces and co-working spaces are definitely uh, very niche. You can find a, a group that works and there, there are always people that can use the co-working space. Um, but for us in particular, we were the first co-working space to pop up in Southern Indiana. And so to be able to establish the brand name and to bring a fairly new concept to an area uh, is definitely a big advantage. So we know you've got a second office in Jeffersonville now. Uh, how does your business interact with other suburban cities, you know, such as Jeffersonville? And uh, do they incorporate in, like the major hub, you know, being right next to Louisville, excuse me, in your new Albany offices? Uh, what's the advantage of being so close? Yeah. So, The main focus is connectability for us, whether that is in person, whether it's um, for our members to a resource or it is city to city. Um, 
we are all about community over competition. And even though I talked about there being a saturated market, you know, we still are able to communicate with our Louisville friends um, in the co-working industry, share ideas. You know, we know that co-working at the root isn't right for every single person. So we are happy to assist them in finding the co-working space that's right for them. But with us in Jeffersonville, uh, we know that Jeff is another up and coming city, just like New Albany. And there are so many commuters that go from Southern Indiana to Louisville. And so we wanted to provide a way for people to stay closer to home, just make things easier for people to be able to work. Um, but our vibe in New Albany is very different than what we will provide in Jeffersonville. So I think using cities is uh, as dynamic as our business plan is. With New Albany, we're in a historic building. Whenever you come in, the, the energy is palpable um, and it's dynamic. And with Jeffersonville, we're not doing co-working, we are just doing private offices. And so we want to make sure our presence is known uh, beyond the walls. And Jeffersonville is a very arts-oriented community, and that is obviously a passion of mine and something that I was able to bring into the New Albany space with events and creating some community for local artists in particular. And so I, I feel like I can help contribute in uh, the efforts in Jeffersonville. Um, and of course, it's very cohesive with everything that's going on in Louisville. There has been a lot of buzz and a lot of talk ever since we started The Root just about um, connecting the, the community as a whole, providing access to funds and job retention and you name it. So there is absolutely effort to come together in this community. Well, and so it sounds like what you're saying a little bit, and you can correct me if you don't think this is a fair assessment, but it sounds like initially you were looking at almost keeping people close to home and building your, your smaller communities in, in both New Albany and Jeffersonville first. But as they both are growing, it seems like you're, you're interconnecting now more with other cities and smaller cities and the hub of Louisville. Absolutely. So when I think about my goals, I have to start small and everybody wants to create change of, of some kind. And especially with everything that's going on in our world right now. So do you think uh, it's been a benefit or, or disadvantage? Uh, did you have the ability to work with a smaller government? What's that like? I think whenever you start in a smaller community, um, your voice is easier to be heard. And I think that you have a greater ability to affect change. Um, so our uh, city has a co-working membership. So does our tourism bureau, 
Um, you know, we, we work with the Main Street organization, Develop New Albany. So being able to interact, um, see those representatives day to day in the middle of everything does mean a lot. Uh, how hands-on is your involvement with the individual companies that, that you're uh, working with right now or that are using your space? So my dad and I like um, to get as many touch points as possible. So going back to uh, what I was saying, um, in light of everything that's going on, it seems like there are problems that are just outside of our control, beyond help. And so where do you start? And, and for me, it's always been, what can you affect in the world around you on a day-to-day -day basis? And so that, that just goes back to our entire business model. So while, you know, we don't necessarily give them business advice, but we are there for them when they need an ear, when they need some guidance, anything. So dad and I try to stay in the space as much as possible. We, we do, we want to be there for our members. Is, is there anything right now that you're working on that you think people should, that people should know about? Well, always. <laughs> I'm always trying to work on the next thing. Um, one thing that has come from working in a co-working space and meeting new people, I've started an advertising agency and digital media company with a trusted friend and colleague, and that has been going really well. So we're looking forward to creating content that this area hasn't seen before. Well, we're really happy to hear that it's going well for you. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we're kind of starting to wind down, uh, Bridget. But before we can let you go, we like to ask all of our guests this final question. If you had the power to change one policy in Louisville or for you, I guess, the, the greater Louisville area, what would it be? Yeah, so I don't. I don't get specifics into, into policy, but I am very sustainability oriented. Um, so anything that has to do with maintaining the world that we live in, I'm always an advocate for that. Uh, one thing that The Root was able to start last year and is obvi obviously needing to pivot now, but um, we started The Root Recycles and so we have been collecting plastic bottles, aluminum cans, glass, literally anything that can be recycled. And we have a connection that can break those down. So we know where it's going. And uh, so now we're trying to coordinate a lot of community effort into you know, doing community cleanup walks, um, being mindful of where we're, where we're putting things. You know, does that mean we have more um, recycling bins around town or uh, things like that. So I would say that's a focus of mine. Makes a lot of sense. And, and we appreciate uh, your time and, and appreciate you coming on here to, to share with us a little bit about the, the unique, uh, I think, niche industry that you're in. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much, Bridget. This is a great conversation. We appreciate having you on. We'll pick back up with our reaction segment after a word from our sponsor. 
Uh, I'm glad we had Bridget on today's episode. I thought what she talked about was an important industry that people don't know a ton about, Luke. What do you think? Well, I mean, you see, it's a newer concept. Uh, you've seen them in bigger cities. You see them now developing uh, in Louisville alongside Louisville. Like she has in New Albany. And it's um, it's a good thing uh, for businesses that uh, maybe don't have the operating cost to have their own facility. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you want to not work from home anymore or something or you're just getting off the ground. There's a lot of benefits. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think that's – it's an interesting thing is that I met her when Leap, which is the Louisville – entrepreneurial acceleration partnership launched a year or so ago and i met her and she explained to me what this concept was and i kind of thought she was crazy and turns out i was the person that was just yeah you were in the wrong yeah and (laughs) and i think i i consider myself someone that is very forward thinking and and looking at new industries and new policies as much as possible and yet I still had that blind side of just not thinking it was that great of an idea. And then I've seen the success that she's had. I've seen the success that Launch Fishers in Indianapolis has had, which is, uh, I, I think, a, a few people from uh, Salesforce in Indianapolis, once that was sold, they broke off and they kind of helped. So they're all starting new developments in some of them in Fit Launch Fishers in Fishers, Indiana. And they're kind of creating more of a mentorship role and, and having different uh, opportunities there. Uh, and so that's a big one. But seeing what Bridget's done successfully here, seeing what Story Louisville is now doing, you're seeing this space really develop. And I was kind of blindsided by it initially. And I think it's, it's a great way to really allow entrepreneurs and startups to thrive and have at least a a greater fighting chance than where they would be without it. Yeah. Well, I don't think you can beat yourself up for, for being mistaken. Not to bat. When you, ever you approach a new industry, uh, a new idea, it's, it's easy to maybe overlook like the, the bigger picture. You you might not, you just don't have a deep enough understanding Mm -hmm. yet. And so, but it's but it's more successful in other cities, right? And so that's the thing. If it yeah. works in other cities, there should be no reason to be dismissive of it if it potentially being able to work here. Well, absolutely, and we're seeing it work here. So, yeah, I, it, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I think there there's just so many things to be gained from from that type of uh, work environment. I really think it's it's a good idea, and uh, I think if you're low on operating cost, if you're but you you need a space that that maybe offers a more collaborative environment. Uh, it's it's a great idea. There's also there's there's other reasons. You know, if you are maybe part of a a, a team within an organization mm-hmm. that that is focused on a specific project, there might be uh, an advantage to getting out of the office. Well, and it's built-in networking, right? So that they're because they're co-working spaces. There's people in so many different industries that are using that space. So you might find a local startup graphic designer or, or someone in a different space that you could need or marketing or, or or something that you could, your business could use just from that connection in at the co-working space. And so it's saving you time from not having to go to different networking events or doing research as much online to find people because you're getting those connections built into just where you're operating from. 
Yeah, and, and uh, we're kind of, we're hitting on the benefits of it, and that that draws me into the white paper that that I read for this interview. It was uh, titled uh, "Different Interorganizational Collaboration Approaches in Co-working Spaces in Barcelona." The reason they picked Barcelona is it had the highest concentration of uh, co-working spaces of any major city uh, that they analyze in Europe, and they the paper uh, through uh, two different methodologies, two different um, uh, means of analysis, they tried to define essentially the benefits that are a result from working in these co-working environments. And uh, the actual benefits, they slightly vary based on the the actual design, sometimes of the building or, or what uh, resources or means of production are, are present in there. But really they came away with uh, three made major broad categories and I have to agree with with their conclusions here they say that there's the cost-based uh, collaboration benefit which is basically the the reduction in the operation and transaction costs so like by uh, cutting your cost on rent you know not owning a massive building if you don't need it and working out of a, a co-working space maybe a smaller uh, it tends to be a smaller environment you're saving money right there and it's just unnecessary, you know, for a lot of businesses, especially startups, to jump right into the deep end with, uh, you know, purchasing some kind of brick and mortar storefront. It's a, in the internet connected age, it's not always a necessity. You know, you see clothing brands and and, uh, and manufacturing brands, they they oftentimes will do a large, like a, even a bulk of their business online, and there's not as much of a necessity in in having. Uh, storefront uh, properties anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, the second uh, benefit they uh, wait. So, so hold on. You're saying that this is a model to where people that are starting online, primarily businesses, they can go in and say, "Okay, I need copying. I need to have these different office supplies, essentially, or access to certain." equipment or internet wi-fi different things that they need to operate their business absolutely they just want access to those things so they can operate their online store but they don't need the burden of having a physical property associated with that business. yeah yeah and even uh, bridget uh mentioned this she she talked about some people using it as a, as a digital space i believe was the way she said mm -hmm. it. they just needed a a, a mailing address you know, something as simple as that. And there's a lot of ways to all of those tools of business, all of those resources that that are present in the space you do your work, you conduct your work are uh, going to be present in some form at some co-working space, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that, that kind of moves me into the second uh, benefit they, they address, which was a resource based collaborative benefit. And that's I think the best example is if there's a, a specific means of production, a specific tool or, or something that, that might benefit uh, an industry that is expensive and maybe out of the price range of a startup, being able to essentially lease the usage of it through uh, working at these co-working spaces will allow people entry into an industry that might otherwise uh, so like, barred them. So like a 3D printer. That's the that's the prime example is a 3D printer. You know, especially an industrial size 3D printer or one that uh, might use different, varied, more unique materials uh, mm -hmm. in its printing. Or uh, so, or something like First Build here in, in Louisville, right? That is like a, I think a, a UVL's partnership with GE to where they have facilities and manufacturing capabilities that they can create new devices for their own for their own uses for their own companies. So. Yeah, 
And so you can imagine a huge variety of businesses might want access to that type of, of machinery. Mm -hmm. But the cost of, of owning one in-house would just be way too much for them to handle. And so by creating this space where, where more people have access to it, and it doesn't have to be a 3D printer. It can be, you know, whatever. Uh, but by creating a space where multiple businesses, uh, particularly smaller businesses, businesses getting off the ground, uh, can have access to that type of resource, it, it's a really a, a huge benefit. Uh, and then the last thing it's I'd call it kind of the intangible they called it the the relational collaboration benefit and it's, it's really just a, uh, for anybody with a business background it's that synergistic benefit like of having just two businesses uh, working alongside each other that might have uh, some kind of a symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. like if you put a lot of interior designers next to architects you can imagine that they're probably going to have some ideas that overlap and influence one another. Mm. Well, and, and I think that's primarily what Bridget was getting at today is it, I don't want to say necessarily just community, but the collaborative environment that's created is, yeah. is, the, is the most important aspect. I think it easily could be. It's just the, the problem when talking about it is it, it's so difficult to define mm. because I think it's so unique to each individual business. Yeah. But the point that is biggest here is that it's immeasurable for something, say there's an operational issue you're having with your company and you have, and it, you're a small startup, but you have another small startup right next to you that seems to have their operations down. You can go bounce ideas off that person. And that is a legitimate cost saving ability that is not being measured in any of these uh, synergistic or, or total cumulative costs that the company would be running. So I, I think that's part of the issue here is that even when there would be a dollar amount associated with it, yeah. when they're looking at this, they're not taking into account what those costs might be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Again, this might vary depending on, you know, what industry you're, you're in, you know, what yeah. industry you're associated with. Mm -hmm. but, I, but you can imagine just such a broad variety of benefits that could come from working alongside other groups of people. The, the, the hesitancy, I think, is there's a lot of historically businesses tend to keep, you know, their playbook close to the chest. But you see a benefit in, in that collaboration, you know, and it often yields dividends for both parties. So, well, and, and let's be fair here. So, your research paper is from Barcelona, yeah. which is also the home of the Mondragon model, which is like the w largest connection of cooperative businesses in the world. So, yeah. they are all about having that open concept and open books yeah. and things in the cooperative ownership model. So, because of that, I can see exactly your point here for the co-working space is that, look, ultimately the collaboration, the openness is what drives innovation more than anything else. And I think that's kind of the point you were getting at. Yeah, we're only seeing nowadays like the benefits of this type of collaborative effort because it's a really, it's kind of a recent thing, mm -hmm. you know, but it, it there's no question that uh, for uh, certain industries it's a tremendous tremendous benefit and it well and and speaking of collaboration how do and this is the point that i wanted to get out a little bit more and we didn't really get there how does these cities that surround 
economic hubs collaborate with that hub. So oh. I, I think so you're talking like New Albany to Louisville or the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And Co- so coming in Cincinnati. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think my point here is that these smaller cities seem because they're not huge economic hubs are developing on their own. They weren't the source of some sort of flight. They were literally just developed as small cities that can, were companions to Louisville. Yeah. It's different than the Oldham County people leaving mostly wealthy people leaving the city and trying to create their own County with their own rules, their own laws. Same yeah. thing you see with Carmel and Indianapolis. Yeah, that Oldham Same. County example is, is really, it's a prime example of like the classic white flight, you know, that, that we think of mm-hmm. as in generally in negative terms when we're talking about city. But you're seeing that you're seeing that in Covington as well. And so I, I think the relationship between this, this more suburban, smaller aspects of cities that are truly just trying to grow is a good positive connection with the uh, city itself, with the major economic hubs themselves. But it is still difficult because for Louisville, yeah, you want the greater general area to grow, mm-hmm. but you're losing tax dollars every time you have people go across the river. But if yeah. they, but if they grow, if, if New Albany and Jeffersonville grows, those people are still going to come to Louisville too. So you'll gain, it's mutually beneficial just as Louisville lose more than it puts in. I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. I, I I know I've found myself going across the river for for you know to meet people for restaurants for parties, uh, and I'm sure that you can say the same thing. A lot of people that live in New Albany are probably coming across into Louisville. You know, there's especially when you have uh, those smaller suburb- suburban cities uh, developing kind of straddling a state line, mm-hmm. you can run into a lot of problems uh, with, you know, trying to capture the tax revenue. I think the best example is that the Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even know, uh, maybe they don't, that, there's, that there is a Kansas City, Kansas, because everyone associates, you know, the Kansas City with Missouri. But I mean, they've had a, a lot of trouble with businesses playing uh, that might be headquartered generally speaking in, in Missouri uh, playing state governments against each other in almost a race to the bottom trying to entice a very beneficial tax policy out of them and we've seen them hopping across state lines you know sometimes you know just a mile or two mm-hmm. uh, to try and capture that that tax benefit that there was occasionally carved out for a for a single specific business and uh in the kansas city example i know there are businesses that have gone from missouri to kansas and then back to missouri when the tax credit expires Mm -hmm. you know so it's it's a really difficult thing and i'm not sure i've got a a good answer as to how to fix it Uh, yeah i i think that's just kind of a part of the flaw of the system right now as it is but i yeah that that's something maybe we can look do more research into but i don't i don't really have an answer to that yeah, I mean, that's right just that's federalism right there. The yeah. states are allowed to make their own tax laws, and mm-hmm. they're going to try and use their tax laws to to generate business, to try and attract business. As they should. Yeah, as they should. But it, it becomes a problem for, I think, the citizens when the businesses involved in these decisions are really – uh, you know, driving the screws in to the mm-hmm. state governments to try and get the the weakest tax policy uh, possible. You yeah, know? And, and I don't blame the business. That's that's the goal of of the board. They want to generate revenue. They want to they want to increase you know share price. I get that, 
but it, it's coming at the cost to the taxpayer and that it's just an unfortunate result and I'd well, like to see it fit. But I, I think part of the issue though is that the, the businesses need to make, or the, the states need to start looking at more wholesome, more fringe benefits rather than just pure dollars and cents. I mean, if you make your city more livable, more walkable and everything, yeah. more desirable, then the business is gonna wanna be located in your city either way. Yeah, because the, the happiness of the employees would, would is, is becoming so much more of a priority that to me, it's tough to put the the whole issue on the back of the business because the business ultimately one has, needs to look out for itself. But the the happiness of the employees is really starting to drive a lot of business decisions. And so I, I do think that if states start looking at things that one benefit all of their citizens as a whole, they're going to start attracting more businesses that way as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And you're, you're absolutely right. The businesses are really trying to, uh, to entice new employees uh, with, you know, whatever means they can. Uh, I saw it, was, it made news a couple of years ago. Goldman Sachs even, I believe, dropped their, their classic dress policy. The people dress a little more casual because yeah. uh, the younger generation just doesn't feel like putting on <laughs> a, a full suit every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's a small example, but you know, there's all kinds throughout the, you know, the business landscape here. Agreed. Agreed. Well, is there, is there anything else you have to add here, Luke, about what anything Bridget said? No, no, I think uh, we pretty much had everything I had. What about you, Andrew? All right, that's it, man. And I appreciate all the listeners listening to this episode and please tune in next week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys. As always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us on Building This Community. If you'd like any more information, you can follow us on Twitter at buildingthiscom, C-O-M, or you can follow Andrew at Andrew J. Klump. And you can also follow Luke at LMP43. Definitely subscribe, and we look forward to talking to you guys next week.